It is Wednesday, April 27th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York, one day before the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us today is a guy who has spent years around this process. He is the executive producer for the Our Lads Football Network. He's the host of OFN Today on that network. He runs Prime Sports Network Sports Channel on YouTube, and he's a 25-year veteran of the sports media industry. Greg De Palma, thanks very much for joining us today. I'm excited. Uh, first of many, I hope. That's right. Happy to be working with you this offseason, and of course, happy to be in the proximity of the NFL draft, which I, I mean, I know for Jared and me, it's one of our most exciting times of year. I'm assuming that it is for you guys as well at our lads. Uh, 100%. And I know things have changed at our lads over the years. It used to only be NFL draft, you know, these publications, which just arrived on my doorstep just a few days ago, but fantasy sports has really taken over. And uh, Dan Chanka, the, uh, the owner of our lads and the one with all the, the, the scouting experience in the NFL, it took him a while before he started to kind of realize himself that, you know what, uh, the draft stuff is my passion, but, it, it, you know, to make money in this business, you also have to provide as many fantasy takes. And uh, that's why he's got the best depth charts in the industry and the fans love it. So, yeah, it's it's a great time of year. No question about it. But uh, the fantasy business is also taken over, mm-hmm. which is why you guys are here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we spent the past two shows previewing the offensive skill position talent for this draft, you know, talking about depth charts, the guys who are going to matter for our fantasy teams this year and beyond. Today, we're going to focus on teams with the biggest needs in those areas, those offensive skill positions that matter so much for fantasy. And we're going to try to find some of the best player fits. Um, Greg, we would love to get some insight from you along the way. Both, you know, if you have like, tidbits that Dan you guys have heard from teams maybe things that we know a little bit more about these players heading into the draft rather than straight guessing like Jared and I pretty much this time of year um I'll I'll help out as much as I can like I was saying off the air I mean look at this this is all written material I mean this is 32 teams plus you know two pages each and then of course the guide so uh and then you got the internet So it's a smorgasbord of uh, opportunities to get smart. And that's what we're going to try to do here on the show. And you, you mentioned kind of the, the how fantasy has come along since our lads started. And, you know, obviously it's been a while now since the whole mock drafting industry exploded and we've got those all over the place. Still relatively new to this process, though, is the betting markets and what they say about the picks. How much have you guys been looking much at that aspect and, and trying to glean some of what that can tell us about where we should expect these players to actually go in the NFL draft? Actually, I haven't. I know it's something that I probably should. I mean, have you? Well, Jared, it's something that I wonder about because so part of what they do, I mean, we we know about all of the inside info and the um, prognosticating skills that they have at sports books for NFL games, but I wonder, Jared, for the NFL draft process, how much more they can possibly know than we do. You know, aside from those who have ins with certain teams or whatever, I wonder how much of it is actually knowing who's going to go when better than 
the average invested NFL fan? How much of it is playing the market to try to make sure that they're not overexposed in any area? Well, the NFL draft is a purely informational game, right? If you're talking about betting on it. Um, so I, I think it's one of the spots where you can get the biggest edge if you're a sports better. Unfortunately, we can't do it in New York. So I'm not talking from experience, but um, I, I know, you know, people who do spend the time on it can, can, you know, win quite a bit betting on the NFL draft. You know, just as you were talking. So I, again, use the internet as best I can to pop this up. Okay. So New York post and Ryan Dunleavy who writes for the New York post is one of my top NFL analysts. So uh, that means nothing to what I'm about to say, but I just figured I'd throw that in there. Anyway, here odds to be number one overall pick. And as of right now, apparently Trevon Walker, oh yeah, is the is the guy. He's the hot guy. No, I don't believe that's the case. I still think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, who's two to one. So right there, right off the bat, you could double your money if you pick Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, and that's been a crazy yeah. switch because it's really been this week that it went from everybody expecting Aiden Hutchinson to now the sports books are like, nah, it's going to be Trevon Walker. I don't think they have, you know. And you would think, like you said, I think this is going to be a great a great way for us next year to maybe see how they did. And I wouldn't go investing a whole lot of money into it, but, mm -hmm. you know, because it's sort of like Super Bowl props. That's how I would use this. Like, hey, you know, you want to have fun and it'll add to the interest of it. But right off the bat right there, I mean, if you could double your money on Aiden Hutchinson, I, I don't think they know something we don't. I mean, I've, I, I have John Osher, who works with the Jags, uh, their editor, online editor, was my guest uh, about a month ago, a few weeks ago. And at that point, he felt pretty, pretty strongly about Hutchinson. Now, again, things can change. Mm -hmm. It's been a couple of weeks, but why would things change? See, I don't think things are going to change in a couple of weeks. You should know <laughs> at a certain point, and yeah. it shouldn't be in the last couple of weeks. So I think this is what this, happens when people talk yeah. too much. <laughs> the story out of Jacksonville now is that Trent Balky prefers Walker and ownership prefers Hutchinson. I don't know if you for differently, if you disagree, uh, that, agree with maybe, that. Well, you know, if that's the case, then, well, you would think Balky would, should win that. But <laughs> look, Walker is a freak athlete for the position. And I think the only thing that is the unknown about Walker is, is he's he hasn't been given the opportunity to play full time like Hutchinson. And that could be a good thing. And that could be a negative. How many times have we seen it? Because all they're doing is projecting mm -hmm. what he can do if he plays full time. We don't know. Maybe he breaks down if he plays a full season. So I think there's a little bit too much of a risk for Trevon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson, number one. Why take that risk when you can take Hutchinson? I mean, what are you telling me? There's a, there's a couple of a points between the two of them when you're projecting, you know, which player you like on your team. So in that case, why go with the risk? Mm -hmm. It seems especially crazy to me, given that Trayvon Walker hasn't displayed the pass rushing ability by any, even by advanced metrics, just versus his teammates. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't understand yet. that. No. I, I also think back to last year when we had the Mac Jones, Trey Lance situation, not knowing who the Niners were going to pick. And we saw the betting markets move all over the place on that. So, you know, whereas when we're talking about actual games. And if our opinions differ greatly from what Vegas is saying, that's where I think we want to say, hey, maybe I need to roll back my opinion a little bit and look into this. I think with this draft stuff and Trayvon Walker as the switch lately, especially makes me wonder about that. And especially when you're talking about the info that you have, Greg, I wonder if it's sports books saying there's already a lot of money on Hutchinson as the number one. We're going to switch mm -hmm. things now. So if it's Trayvon Walker, we're not losing a ton of money um, by guys making that as opposed to Vegas saying now it's going to be Trayvon Walker. So 
I think it's we're still learning. It's dangerous, though. Right. Because I now all of a sudden you've given, Yeah, because now all of a sudden you've given Hutchinson these two-to-one odds. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You know, you can get a flurry of activity in 24 hours, and then you're caught, and then you're screwed. So I don't know. I mean, uh, that's a tough one. But, hey, look, if Walker – like I said, this would be a great example because if Walker ends up the number one pick, then – We'll we'll trust that next year they know what's coming. Hey, and as long as you don't have two hundred bucks riding on whoever the answer is, it's fun to have a year where we don't know for sure right now who is going to be yes. the first pick in the draft. It's, yes. It feels like it's been a while. It's yeah. twenty four. What? It's less. It's a little bit more than twenty four hours away. We don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you buy that the Jaguars don't know? Do you buy that they're really considering four players a, no. a day ahead of their pick? No. Like I said, I think they knew a couple weeks ago. So I don't know. No way that that's the case. I think if that's the case, your, your franchise is in trouble. <laughs> that's, that's my thought as Which well. Which might be the case. Yeah. These guys, are, yeah, it could be. These guys have been looking at this film or most of their scouts since last year. So yeah, they, they have a pretty good idea. I, I'd be surprised. I'm actually surprised to see that Neil is 20 to one. Because when I was mm. talking to, uh, when I was talking to John, that was kind of the, do you go tackle or do you go, edge and when we were talking tackle we're talking neil so again it's like you know this icky guy is like walker it's like you know they're the hot <laughs> names so they go they go moving up well uh Ekwanu is four to one and neil's 20 to one yeah i just i well, put they, money on hutchinson and neil i hedge my bet yeah, they on neil. jacksonville jacksonville just extended cam robinson like an hour ago so i think that that it seems like people think that's taking tack off the table for them completely Probably, but the good thing is, is that which John even explained to me is, is that because the other two tackles they have no idea about. Those other two guys, Taylor, they have no idea either. So what you could do is, is both of these guys, Icky and Neil, can both play guard. You don't want them to, but they can play guard. So you could go into next year if you want to move one of them inside the guard. You can do that. Maybe Icky is now four to one over Neil because he's more looked at as a guy who could be a a guard over neil neil is projected to be too much of a, of a prototypical left tackle mm-hmm. where icky is the guy that you can play anywhere you want along the line except center yeah i don't i don't know i, I just think that at this point in time though uh overall i'm i am surprised that there's a big gap between edge rusher and tackle because there shouldn't be i think mm-hmm. talent wise but just look at it talent wise I, I i just i don't see it i don't think there's just a big difference between it and that's that's why we're so stuck trying to figure out who's going to go because there's no clear number one consensus. And maybe that's why they really are still arguing behind the doors. You know, to be fair on the decision front, when I go out to dinner, I usually am not certain what I'm picking from the menu until the waiter is right there and it's my turn to pick and I have to make that selection hand in the card. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm with you there unless unless fish tacos are on the menu. <laughs> if there's fish tacos, I'm going there every time. You're not getting paid. <laughs> make that decision now <laughs> yeah well and this draft doesn't seem to have fish tacos jared so we'll move on from sure. that, that that selection at number one and we'll move to the quarterbacks we're talking about team needs we'll go position by position we'll do quarterback because you know even when the class isn't great that's the most important position in the league and the teams that have the biggest needs here greg i think you have to start with the panthers they tried to address it each of the past two years they did it in questionable fashion and they remain with a question mark at quarterback 
GM Scott Fitterer this week reportedly has told Sam Darnold they plan to add a quarterback. That, of course, does not necessarily mean it's going to be at the sixth overall pick. It doesn't look to me like this class has a quarterback worthy of picking sixth overall. The Panthers have reportedly said that they have multiple they're comfy with there. I don't buy that. Do you think that a quarterback is in the mix, a possibility at number six, Greg? Yes, but it's not because of a player deserves to be chosen at number six, which I think would be Pickett. I think if Carolina goes with the quarterback, I think it's going to be Pickett. I look at him like our lads grades Pickett as the 25th best player in the draft, which I think makes sense. Willis, matter of fact, I believe is our lads fourth ranked quarterback, which I agree with. I'm not big on Willis. And I don't, I, I, I know there's a lot of talk about Willis, but I, I I'm one of those that I, I won't believe it until I see it. If he gets picked that high, because he is so raw and it's such a major investment. I just be shocked. Like Pittsburgh, there's all this talk about Pittsburgh having to move up potentially. Let's say Carolina takes Pickett and they want Willis really bad. Oh, there's this talk that Pittsburgh has to move up and get him. You know what? I think if Pittsburgh just sits there, I bet you they get him. Mm-hmm. Because I just I, I unless they want to move up a couple of spots just in case another team wants to move ahead of them. But the idea to move up to somewhere in the top ten to get Willis if you're Pittsburgh, if Pickett gets off the board early, I just think you're 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 giving up way too much capital to do such a thing for a player with just raw talent. Uh, and then you have to think about like people were talking about Seattle and Willis. Okay. So let me get this straight. You draft Willis. Who's blocking for him? <laughs> they have the work, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL right now. You can't draft Willis at nine. If you're Seattle, you have to draft a lineman cross or if Icky lasts that long have to. So I think Willis is, is the guy that probably lasts a little bit, but I could see Pickett at six. I really can. And it, you might say reach, but Carolina does not have a third-round draft pick. I mean, a pick until the third round. So what are they going to do? Unless they know something we don't, that they're going to make a trade for Mayfield, they're going to make a trade for Jimmy G, and, if, and we don't know that. Maybe that's why they pass, say, on Pickett. But it, and let's say they pass on Pickett. That's what they're going to do. There's no question. Because they're not going in the next season with Sam Darnold as the number one quarterback. It's not going to happen. I think Carolina's ideal scenario is trading down from six and then being able to get Pickett, you know, in the middle of the first round. I'm just not, you know, agreed. Sounds like everyone in the in the top ten wants to trade down, but there's not. Yeah, that's the problem. Trade up. Yeah. So can they can they find a dance partner? Yeah, that's the thing. Because usually like when you trade hope, up, it's for a quarterback. It seems like the hope is that you find a team that's hot after one of the early corners or the top receiver you know you find a team that that yep. wants jameson williams or garrett wilson over the rest of the receiver so we'll, we'll see what happens there but i i agree i think that the panthers would love to be able to do that and get a quarterback you mentioned that kenny pickett's the top rated quarterback for you guys at 25 and that malik willis is fourth who's the second guy and where does he sit on the overall that's corral well that again our lads and let me just make sure you understand this this is important that our lads is different from my point of view Mm-hmm. So I have a completely different ranking, but Dan and the guys at our lads uh, rank Pickett right now at number one. Corral is at number two. And then basically you have to go all the way down. I think it's 35 for Willis. So he's third, okay. but then you go down to 59 to Ritter and 60 to Howell. So Willis is third, but he's in the third round. He's in the second round. And here's a guy like Ritter who our lads projects as a top, say 60 pick uh, barely. And there's been a lot of people in these mock drafts that have them going in the top 10 or the top 15. It's just, it's madness. There's just no way these guys are that good. Mm-hmm. And Ritter, I think, is in the same boat as Willis and some of these other quarterbacks. They're just as talented. 
I think any of these quarterbacks could end up better than the other. I think Carson Strong could end up the best quarterback of this class. That's how open this quarterback class is. But GMs are desperate to find their quarterback, and it all depends on. And the other thing that is so important in this draft is next year's draft. Which GMs understand the value of patience? Which GMs can be patient? Because their owners are giving them a few years to be patient, and they're looking at those guys next year, and they're going, "I'm not, I'm not wasting a, a top pick on on these guys. I'm gonna make. If anything, if you want to trade up if, to get my, give me an extra pick next year, so I can have more collateral to make sure I get one of those guys next year." And I think we've seen some of that in some of the quarterback moves that have been made this offseason. It seems like teams are, you know, maybe not necessarily passing on this QB class entirely, but setting themselves up so that they don't have to take one of these quarterbacks. We'll talk about some of the specific names, but the Seahawks are the next team on my list. And you mentioned them not really being a good fit for Malik Willis because they need guys to block for him. They would have to take him at ninth overall. I believe their pick is so uh, they did make the Russell Wilson trade and got drew lock back. Of course, in that one. Now, uh, Greg, what do you think the chances are that Drew Locke enters the season as their starting quarterback, you know, even just as an insurance option versus what else they can do? And I mean, is Baker Mayfield, do you think that might be an option there? Yeah, I, these guys are going somewhere. Baker Mayfield should be going somewhere. And if there's a spot that he can start more than anywhere, you would think it's Seattle. It makes the most sense. I, uh, By the way, I don't even know if Drew Locke would start over Geno Smith, to be honest <laughs> with you. Because Geno Smith has been with the organization for several years. He played well for him last year when he came in in relief. So I, you know, Locke's going to have to come into this building and 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 beat out a veteran and I who's been there and knows the system. I don't, I don't even think he'll do that. Uh, now maybe Drew Locke changes scenery, coaching staff, uh, all, and everybody talks about oh, he's got these great receivers. Well, he had great receivers at Denver, and it didn't matter. So I don't want to hear about great receivers in Seattle. He had them in Denver. So uh, I, I, I doubt Drew Locke would be the week one quarterback because I think Geno could actually beat him out. But I think Baker Mayfield is definitely a possibility. I think it's the most likely landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. And once again, if Seattle passes on Willis at nine, which I think they will, then uh, you're not going to see Jimmy G get traded in the division. I don't see that happening. Seattle has picks uh, 40 and 41. I think their candidates maybe trade back into the late first and take, you know, one of these second or third quarterback off the board, whether it's Willis or whether that's Desmond Ritter, I think that could be their path. I don't, I don't think they go quarterback at nine. I wonder if we're going to see them just sit at 40, 41 and take whatever quarterback makes it to them there. Cause I agree with what you're saying before, Greg, it's like any of these quarterbacks could wind up being the top QB in the class. I think you could sit at 41, take Sam Howell if he's the last one off the board and wind up looking great for it. Yep. And, and look, uh, and I'm serious about Carson Strong. I am kind of a Carson Strong guy because I've watched him play since he was a freshman. I know he doesn't play in the Power Five and all of that. And the major issue is his knee. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But that's also why he didn't show as much as he could have last season. So if the knee checks out, then all of a sudden, I think he could be the better, best quarterback of this class because he has the arm strength that a lot of these quarterbacks don't have. Yeah, Willis has the arm strength, I get it, but he does he does not have the experience that Carson Strong has. The only issue with Carson Strong is his knee, from, from, in my opinion, from preventing him from being the best quarterback of this draft class. And he might not even get picked until the third or fourth round. It's possible. 
Yeah, well, it's, it's funny. We haven't even talked about him much on our podcast because we're, you know, fantasy football focused. And, you know, Strong is not going to provide anything with his Correct. legs. So that, that hurts him in fantasy football. But I'm with you, Greg. I think he, he, he might be the best pure passer in this class. I have been surprised that he hasn't at least been getting, like, lumped in with those top five quarterbacks, you know, with the Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter. I'm surprised he isn't, you know, at least mentioned in that same tier. And by the way, that star quarterback that Seattle just traded away, they picked him in round three. So they, they understand that you can find a guy beyond the first round that can start. Yeah. They're one of the lucky ones (laughs) that found a a hall of fame type quarterback uh, after the first round. It's not easy. No question, (laughs) but yeah, again, what's strong. And like you said, fantasy wise, forget anything this year any anyway with any of these quarterbacks you're not you're you're obviously for dynasty leagues mm-hmm. that's a different story of course and if you're looking at somebody i take advantage of carson strong you know because most if you're not really doing your homework you could you could not you could just bypass carson strong in your fantasy draft and take advantage of that you know don't 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 maybe not even go early and maybe risk that nobody's paying attention and take them a little bit later. And uh, you might have a steal two or three years down the road. Now I'm going to lump the Falcons and Steelers next two teams. I have listed together because they both kind of took the same path this off season. Falcons of course signed Marcus Mariota to a two year deal. Steelers Mitchell Trubisky to a two year deal. Both of their deals though, are not true two year deals. There was 6.75 million guaranteed on Mariota's deal there's five and a quarter million guaranteed on Trubisky's deal. So both of those teams are kind of setting themselves up where if there is a quarterback opportunity, they can go ahead and take it, but they don't need a guy. They can go ahead with that veteran as a starter for this year and then see what happens in 2023. So the Falcons pick eight, the Steelers, you already mentioned pick 20. They've been tied to Malik Willis. Some hey, Greg, what do you, what are the chances that you think we see either of these teams take a quarterback somewhere within the first couple of rounds? I, it's pretty high. I, I doubt Pittsburgh doesn't take a quarterback at whether they trade up and they don't want to take the chance. Or like I said, they sit there and they get, and again, a lot of it's going to depend on what Carolina does first, because it's very possible that, that Carolina, uh, if they decide to, to, to pass and, and, and all these teams in the top 10 decide to pass. Now Pittsburgh again is in a great situation. They could sit there at 20 and, and maybe they get Pickett or Willis. It's very possible. I don't, I don't, think that's really how it'll play out though with that let's with atlanta i just get this feeling that even though willis is a kind of hometown kid i get this feeling that they're looking at next year and focusing on everything like next year is going to be the biggest offseason in the history of their franchise they're going to have all this money uh they're going to do whatever it's going to take to get one of those top two quarterbacks uh, and so let's just continue to build our team and start, first of all, by giving us a wide receiver, because this is the worst wide receiver group in the NFL, mm-hmm. which is why I have them going wide receiver with their first pick uh, and then worry about the quarterback situation. I just I just think they are risking way too much because if, let's say they take Willis and then all of a sudden after having him for a year, they realize, oh, my goodness, what did we do? Yeah. Then they, it's almost like they just you just screwed yourself with a with a high draft pick, and then what are they going to do? They can, then they got to try to find a way to go get these the, the, these the, you know one of these top two kids next year anyway. So I just I don't see it. I just have this gut feeling that they go wide receiver and and they go all in next year. And maybe Atlanta is one of those teams, as I said before, that decides to actually trade down so they can get more draft capital for next season. 
Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I think Atlanta is a 2023 quarterback team. If, you, if I had to pick her now, I'd, I'd say they're going to have the first overall pick in the 2023 draft. I think that's the worst roster in the NFL. Um, which which wide receiver do you have them taking, Greg? I have them going with London. I'm nice. still a little bit like everybody else uh, concerned with uh, the fact that he's not going to run. Mm-hmm. But he's what he said was true. I mean, look, just put on the tape, man. The, the guy, the guy is uh, the, the the best big receiver in in this draft, no question about it. And and maybe you look at the fact that AJ Brown and the ties to Tennessee, obviously, with the coach that he sees. You know what? I need another big receiver, and let me start off by getting this kid London. So yeah, I'm not overly concerned with it, and and neither is our lads. Our lad still has uh, uh, Drake in the top ten. And I, I believe Burks as the number three or four receiver. So then I'd even concerned with Burks's 40 time, which shocked a lot of people because many people thought Burks could have been a top 10 pick before his 40 time. But yeah, I got London going to Atlanta. Is he the first wide out off the board for you or is there yes. somebody going before him? Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works out because there's so much good depth early. So which teams are going to be like, well, maybe I could wait on mm-hmm. that. Maybe they're going to wait on that. And then sooner or later, when does it start? When does, when, when do they start pegging away at the receivers? And also obviously who's going to go after Jameis Williams. That's going to be the interesting one. And I think that he's, I actually have him going to Philadelphia right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure he gets by the Eagles. He, he's the one I'm really waiting to see because this week, of course, of all weeks, we get the reports that the ACL is going great and that the teams are like, okay, we feel great about his ACL. We're going to go ahead and pump him back up to where he would have been without the injury. <laughs> so is that true or is that typical week before the NFL draft stuff and he's going to go like 20? Yeah, well, that's his, you know, who's putting that out there. This is his agent. And so, of course, but no, look, if he didn't have that injury, he, he's top 10. He might even be top six. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I I think that even though he still goes in the top fifteen or twenty, he'll he'll he's never going to sniff where he could have gone before the injury. It's just not going to happen, and that's just a shame. Uh, but it is what it is, and it's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Eagles or one of those teams will take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's a and and I was even thinking like a team like the Saints. You know, they've got a couple of picks, so they could take a chance. So I think the teams with those two picks yep. stand, I think, a better I, chance to take a chance. I think those teams with the two picks, a lot of them, all of them, need, or the Eagles, the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Packers all have two picks and need a wide receiver. So I think I think you could see one or two of those teams make trade trades up, you know, into the top ten, top twelve to get one of those, you know, top two or three wideouts. You see, that's going to be the trick: is who who decides? Do they trade up? Or because it's so deep that they just sit there right. and they just uh, and I think that that could be the, the the case. But does it really? It all starts with Atlanta. Do they take a receiver? I think that's because again that changes everything if they go quarterback instead of wide receiver. But uh, and that's going to domino affect everything from quarterback to wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, if the Falcons go Malik Willis at eight instead of a wideout, that to me seems like the Packers choosing Jordan Love over a wide receiver, but doing so like 20 picks earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I'm just, I don't know. I just think that maybe if this was five years ago, Willis would be a bona fide second round draft pick. It could be social media that's taken over and why these types of quarterbacks are projected to go as high as they are. I mean, just 
all you gotta do, I mean, just watch the tape, just look at him play. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't understand it. What, what do you, mm -hmm. cause it's all projection. You right. don't know. And then when he did play against really good competition, his numbers were not very good. So what are you blaming that on his teammates? So you're only going to give him credit when he does well. So he doesn't, he doesn't play well when you step up a competition and plays the best teams. And he doesn't have a lot of experience against the best teams. He's and 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 the only player I can compare him to, in in a in a similar way, but I don't want to compare him to it because he's nowhere near talented as Lamar Jackson. But that's kind of what I compare him to: is a guy that is an an, ex, an elite athlete with a strong arm. But I don't see anything else. I see nothing else that leads me to believe that Malik Willis is going to be a competent starting quarterback in the NFL. I do not see it. I just don't. Yeah, and it might just be all of all of us talkers, and especially the focus on fantasy at this point, that's <laughs> artificially inflating him. Because you know he, Lamar Jackson, was a far more productive player. Landed all the way at the end of round one. I think he's fortunate to come out in a weak quarterback class, and he's fortunate to come out at a time where fantasy is driving so much <laughs> content for football. Yes. Um, but I, I'm very curious to see where he actually lands in this draft. So rounding out the quarterbacks, I think those are the teams with the biggest needs. There are some others that are maybe sneaky or maybe arguable in their quarterback need. And I'll just run through all the teams here and you guys can, can let me know who you think is in the biggest need. So we've got Tennessee, we've got the Colts, we've got Houston, we've got Washington, Detroit, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I mean, clearly the Colts got Matt Ryan. So I think that that need is pushed out in the future. It doesn't really matter. The Texans might be picking a little bit too early for a quarterback. It seems like they like Davis Mills. Um, Washington and Detroit are, are kind of more interesting because where they are with the veterans that they have. And then of course, Tampa's got Tom Brady, but you know, how much longer? So Greg, any team in there stand out to you as I guess a potential late round one quarterback target? Well, Detroit, that's the most intriguing because they get that extra pick at the end of the first round. So that's the one I'm, that I think if you're going to go with a quarterback with Detroit, that's where you can grab Ritter. You know, you can grab Howell and I, and nobody would have a problem with that. So I, I, I think that makes the most sense because Washington already traded a third round draft pick to get Wentz. So I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would draft a quarterback early if you're Washington. So they're kind of all in on Wentz for at least a, a year or two. And who knows, maybe they're into the sweepstakes next year and Philly, you know, Philly is going to give Hertz at least a year. Saints make sense, but I think later, I don't think early Houston is interesting, like you said, but they have so many needs that I can, and they like mills. So I can see them trying to fill the roster up with so much talent. I'm going to, we're not going to waste that on another quarterback. We feel like we got our guy. So that's it. I don't really have many other, I mean, Minnesota might even be a team that you could see taken like a Carson strong in the third round as a guy that would make sense because eventually they might start thinking about, now I don't know what the new regime likes Kellen Mond or not. It all depends. I mean, they've got a new quarter, they've got a new coach, a new GM. So yeah, uh, Detroit makes the most sense for me. Tennessee's the team that's been getting a lot of late buzz for a quarterback at 26. Um, you know, Tannehill is due. He's, he's going to count 36 mil against the cap in 2023. So there's been some talk that they could take, you know, maybe a falling picket or a Desmond Ritter and sort of move on from Tannehill in 2023. You think there's any, any uh, substance to that buzz? I don't think so because they are trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And 
you're taking you're taking a premium pick away, yep. uh, and they have needs. You know, they have some uh, other issues that they have. They're not a complete team. That's another team that could use uh, a wide receiver, uh, Tennessee, and they could use a few other things, maybe mostly on defense. But no, I, I look at it as if they do that, especially then all of a sudden you've got the turmoil of, well, Tannehill, I'm not going to be here much longer and you don't believe in me. I think it opens up way too many cans that you don't want to do when you are when you feel that you're on the verge of potentially winning a Super Bowl. And let's keep in mind, you know, as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, it makes yeah. Tannehill look that much better. So Yeah, I, I've been seeing that buzz too. I think the Titans are more of a trade up target at number twenty six with no second round pick than they are a pick quarterback right there candidate. Yeah, if they if they want to move on from Tannehill, then they would have to have like what they would have to have a serious um, want for someone like Pickett or Willis. And I would think mm-hmm. it would be Pickett again, just me. But so, yeah. So if, if they're serious about moving on, then go ahead and get Pickett, try to move up. If mm-hmm. he slips and go get Pickett. Other than that, I just, it doesn't make sense to, to grab one of those guys late. I, I think Tampa Bay is well positioned to take a, a shot on one of these quarterbacks at the end of round one. If there's a guy that they like there, even just the upside. And if they're not sure, I think they're well positioned to, Take a guy, see what happens. They certainly have the player and uh, coaches in place to bring him along if there's some development potential. Um, or, you know, yeah. of course, they could trade out or just go best player available. That's all it's off after they took Trask last year, though. And I was talking to David Harrison, who covers the Bucks, uh for lock, for the Locked On Network. And, and I asked him about that. He said, no, he says that they didn't just draft Trask, and now they're going to go get another quarterback. Trask is their guy. So Trask is the guy that they feel will eventually. So there's at this point, it doesn't seem to be anything that they don't like about Trask. It's a good. It's a good dynasty note for you. You know, if you're in a super flex league, yeah. uh, try yeah. to go acquire Kyle Trask right now. That's absolutely. Yes, yeah. good point. Good stash right now. I think the Saints and Washington in particular are teams where you just say we're, we're just going to roll with the guy we have at quarterback right now, and if it doesn't work out, then we'll get a higher pick next year because yes. there, there's there to me is not a quarterback in this draft, that's a clear better bet than Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston over the short term, at least. And I think that's what they feel as well, mm-hmm. including the Saints. I think they like Winston. And what as long you, as he's healthy, they think they can win with him. Greg, what do you what do you make of that trade the Saints made with the Eagles to, to you know, get up to, what was it, they got 16 and 19. Now, what do you think the idea was behind that? Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. Everybody's wondering. Initially, it's all, it's got to be the quarterback. Has to be the quarterback. It ended up that the reason why I believe they did it is because the team they jumped over was the Chargers. Everybody knows the Chargers want a right tackle. Saints want a tackle. And once you get past those, those first few guys, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a little bit of a drop-off. So, uh, so that's why when, when, when I was going over my draft, I was like, you know, this does seem to make sense that they could take Trevor Penning away from the Chargers. So that's what I think. That's my oh, guess. Yeah. I don't yep, think it's quarterback. And we were talking about the Saints possibly being in the market to move up for a wideout. Maybe they can be a fit with Carolina to let the Panthers move down and they get up for one of the truly premier tackles in this class at six. Yes, that could, they could do that. Or if they really like Penning a lot, they stick there and they use their next pick uh, three spots later and grab a receiver. Mm-hmm. And, and I still think that, and, and again, on my mock, I have, I still think, I mean, in my mock, a lobby is available. 
someone, one of those receivers can still be available where I don't think they have to do that unless it's, uh, to me, it would have to be Jameis Williams. I don't know if you trade up for London just because of the 40 time stuff, but Jameis Williams is just, you got those, you get, if you just love him so much and you're willing to wait for a year and then you're going to look smarter than everybody else as a GM. Look, I got the next great receiver in the NFL. And all I had to do was wait six months. So I could see people trading up for Jameis Williams. But uh, if you sit there, if you're the Saints, maybe you get penning and then you just take one of the other receivers who lands on your lap. Plus, you got free marketing with a quarterback named Jameis and a wide receiver brand new. Who's James <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just, it's right there. Yes. So let's jump over the running backs for now and, and to the receivers because we talked about them a lot and the teams that need them. The Falcons, I feel like we already hit on. They're picking at eight. It seems like we all agree that if they don't take a wide out at eight, they're making a mistake. Correct. And they're definitely not taking a running back. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Packers seem like one of the other bigger need teams at wideout. You know, we know that they have Alan Lazard there, although I'm not, did he actually sign his tender yet, Jared? Is he under contract officially now? Yeah, he did recently. Okay. So they've got Alan Lazard. They've got the ghost of Sammy Watkins. They've got, I suppose, Randall Cobb. We'll see if he, how much he's doing this year. They've also got two picks now in round one, two picks in round two, one in round three, I mean, how can you not come out of those five selections with two wideouts? Is my qu- would be my question. They will, and so especially when- in first round, absolutely in the first round. There's no question about it, and it just depends on who- is it their first pick or is it their second pick? Because who do you who do you think they're targeting? Like who who you know who who fits best in Green Bay among those top? You know, say say five wideouts. I guess they've made it obvious they want speed. So it's not going to be a Burks and it's not going to be a London. So they want someone with speed. I was looking myself at, again, if one of these receivers like Olave falls, great. Watson is interesting to me. I don't know where he's going to go, but he's so. Once you get to the bottom end of that first round, I think anything can happen. I think guys who are projected to go to the third round, the end of the second round can end up in the late first round. I think anything is possible. And that includes Watson, because when you get a guy that could run in the four fours and his height that he has, it's, it's just, and he puts up all that production. It's you, you just say, well, what am I doing here? Why am I not taking this player? So I think Watson would be an intriguing sleeper in the first round for the Packers, but I think they're going to go with the, 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 the best player on their board that has a speed element to the game yeah i'd like to see i'd like to see george pickens land there um you know they could probably get him at 28 i i think he you know i guess there's more off-field stuff than we were previously aware of that's kind of come out over the past few days and he has the acl behind him but i i think i think he has the upside to be like a true number one wide receiver which is obviously what that team needs yeah greg i'm curious about this because george pickens seems like he's gotten quite a bit of fantasy love lately and i'm wondering if that's fantasy buzz or if that is being matched by nfl talk and they really like george pickens right now as well the only the only and i i hear the red flags but i don't i don't think that has anything that should not be an issue with Pickens. I think the major issue is just his health. And I think if he was healthy, he, he'd be top 15, one of, these, one of these top receivers. So he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Then he comes out after missing most of the season and gets thrown in there in those last couple of games and makes a couple of big plays for him. So I think he's a legitimate prospect that, yes, Pickens could make a lot of sense for a team like the Packers <clears throat> late in the first round. And you're going to get 
because it's such a deep class of receivers, this is what I was talking about. Who, who waits to go receiver? Maybe I don't pick him in the first round. I can grab one of these guys in the second round. Maybe Pickens is a second round receiver. Watson could be a second round receiver and you can end up with one of the better receivers in the draft. So yeah, Pickens is, he's a very talented uh, kid. Uh, and let's keep in mind, he played for the national championship team in college football. So he played against all the best teams. What about Jahan Dotson here, Jared? Uh, is he a, a fit as, especially as a guy who might be ready to help immediately, even if he doesn't have the ultimate ceiling of some of the other players around him? Yeah, that's a good point about NFL writing this, like I, which I think the, the Packers should be looking for, right? Like they're, they're in a small win now window there in Rodgers and they need immediate help. I don't think Christian Watson is ready to help immediately. Even, you know, Pickens might not be with the, with the ACL. Dotson, you know, I don't, I don't think he has nearly the ceiling of, of Pickens or even Watson, but I, I think he's one of the more NFL ready guys in this league. You know, he, he's someone Aaron Rodgers would like, I think, you know, he's a good route runner, you know, he'll be where Rodgers wants him to be. He has reliable hands. So I, th- I think Dotson's someone that, you know, maybe if Rodgers is pulling some strings in the draft room that, uh, you know, Dotson's someone that the Packers couldn't end up with. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. I don't think Rodgers is pulling any strings. <laughs> <laughs> no. Unfortunately, he he is. yeah, he, maybe yeah. he does. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the thing with Dotson, I think you're 100 uh, percent correct, Jared, as far as him being. You can get him out there week one in, in, in this season and he could just be he could take off. And he could be a big part of any offense um, and he's fast and he can make plays with the ball in his hands. He's got reliable hands and all that stuff. Uh, I don't look at him as like a, a deep threat because of his size limitations. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing. What are the Packers looking for? But then again, because of what you were saying with the with the with the picks, uh, the, the 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 draft capital, Matt, maybe they could take a guy like Dotson in the first round, and then they can go out and take a guy like Watson in the second round. Mm-hmm. And they get the best of both worlds. They get a guy with size, and they get a guy uh, with speed underneath speed, and a guy with size who I who they also believe that could uh, help them up as far as their uh, deep passing game. So which would make a lot of sense for the Packers to think like that, because like you said, they need to take two receivers early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which of course means they'll take zero. So let's see where they go after that. The Bears in the same division could use a receiver as well. They have no first round pick because of the Justin Fields trade last year. They do have picks seven and 16 in round two though. So it seems like a good group where they could still get a guy that's potentially an immediate contributor or, you know, a guy with huge long-term potential. If they think, you know, Sky Moore is the higher ceiling player in that range versus Jahan Dotson, who is more of a immediate versus future player. Yeah. It's another team that, I mean, the bears to me are sort of like Atlanta to me and Houston and they just need players, uh, but especially wide receiver. Yeah. Wide receivers got to be up there at the top of the list. And they basically have one guy they can count on and that's about it. So, uh, and they're in the spot that they're in, they're just going to be able to sit back and take the best guy available. And it could end up with the best receiver in the draft. That's how deep it is. And, and Sky Moore is a good, is a good, is a good player that we haven't talked about. And especially after they uh, traded away Khalil Mack, it seems like they're realizing where they are right now. They're not going to compete for a Super Bowl. So maybe they're less of a contender for the wide receiver names that remain on the free agent market and a better, you know, a better option for those second round wideouts to groom. Yeah, just get, just get Justin Fields some help, man. It's going to be a Weird. tough season for him. 
<laughs> and, and by the way, another player that we can throw into the bad 40 time or just overall bad combine was David Bell. Because I think before the combine, I thought David Bell could have stuck into the end of the first round. That's how yeah. productive he was. But his yeah. co- not just his 40 time, but his combine are so all, all over. It's so bad. But there's a guy that if you do not use – Uh, a draft pick on the first couple of rounds, maybe whether it's late second or third round, you could get a steal with a guy like bell. So again, it just shows you the depth of this uh, wide receiver class that you are going to be able to still get uh, receivers, even outside the top couple of rounds because guys like Calvin Austin, just because of his speed, you know, you wonder, does he go ahead of David bell? Even though David bell is just so much better than Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin's got the speed, and that's what the NFL, you know, but it only takes one general manager and and the right fit because you might say, you know what, I've got this, I got all the speed I need at wide receiver. Now I need a reliable weapon. Perfect, David Bell. Take him, so, you know, second, third round. You, you, you expect him to be a day two pick then, David Bell? Because I'll be in on him for fantasy if he lands in day two. Yes, I'd be surprised if he. If, if you had to wait till round four to take David Bell, correct? Yes. I don't think in our lads has him just past uh, Pickens and Sky Moore. Mm-hmm. So our lads believes he's a second, third round draft pick. Yeah. Which I do too. A, a nice range for fantasy use. And so the Saints we've talked about previously. And just to recap what they have is Michael Thomas, Marcus Callaway, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, or Hardy, depending on where you're reading about him. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> that their roster is strong enough to move up for a wide out in the first round. So I think that they're probably best off staying where they are and taking what gets to them there. But, you know, we'll see. It also seems like the saints are not as realistic as other people might be about what they have. It seems like they might believe that they're closer to actually contending for a championship. than it, it, it looks from here like they're not particularly close to that, but it seems like they might think that they are. Uh, I think a lot of that, probably has to do with the defense you know then they retain their defensive coaches the head coach now so um yeah and 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 i and and their what appears to be professed uh satisfaction with Jameis winston a veteran quarterback so yeah and they've got alvin Kamara still so maybe you throw in a wide receiver you get thomas healthy again and now you've got your weapons and you got Kamara can open things up again. And that's another team that we haven't talked about tight ends yet, but that's another team that probably needs a tight end because it looks like Taysom Hill is going to get that job. He's going to play tight end a lot. I don't know how long that lasts or how good he could be at the position, but that's a team that you would think at some point in the draft will also have to add a tight end. I predict they gave up better at tight end than Tim Tebow did. (laughs) I think you're right. New Orleans two years ago gave up like their entire day three to move up to take Adam Troutman. You, th- you think they're you think they're done with him already? No, they're not done with them. There's still time, especially at the tight end position. <clears throat> Historically, yeah. it takes a while for tight ends, but it's got to happen soon. And yeah. I don't think they can trust. That's why I'm saying I don't think they're going to take one early. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be enough tight ends that you're going to be able to. It's a, it's a really good draft for tight ends like from round three to round five, you get, so you, you can get a, a, a starting caliber tight end to hit the right guy. And mm-hmm. that's probably what they'll do. Plus that's a position where you're going to end up using more than one of those most of the time anyway. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where they go there. This could be a decent spot for Traylon Burks. Uh, if he falls to that end of the top five wideouts, what do you think Jared? Yeah. I mean, 
everything I've read from like the Saints beat writers is that they love Chris Olave, but I I, I don't think Olave is going to make it to them even to their first first rounder. Um, so Burks might be the guy they're sort of left with if they want one of these first round wideouts. But that's another team who you know could take a, a Sky Moore or an Alec Pierce in like round two or three and be okay. They're not they're not as desperate at wide receiver to me as some of these other teams. Let's keep in mind at every draft there's going to be whether it's a, a position or a couple of players that fall. And it's not because they're not good. It's just because it's you're always going to get a team or two that overdrafts a player that nobody's expecting. Mm-hmm. And then let's say, let's say you go, let's say the quarterbacks are taken earlier than expected, which is a possibility. So there, there could be a spot for New Orleans to get a really good receiver. Now, again, like I said, it, Alave happened to land on my mock draft just the way that it did. And I can see that happening with some mock drafts or maybe the draft overall, but it all depends on who goes ahead of them. Because when I look at my, I'm just running through the names right now on my list and I'm just wondering, well, if, if Alave goes earlier, then I guess maybe you got to look at, uh, let's see. I mean, I do have Jordan Davis and Tyler Lindenbaum going ahead of them. And I could see those guys maybe let go, go uh, uh, after Olave because Davis, even though he's very talented, a lot of people are wondering how high you draft a guy that's not a three-down lineman. And center, as much as we all love Linderbaum, center, centers usually don't get taken all that high. So, yeah, I, I yeah. could see that being the case. But it just worked out that way with me because I, I think Linderbaum would be a great fit with the Eagles. And I think if the Chargers don't get the tackle – They've got to do something about their run defense, which was just so bad last year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah. Either way, I think the Saints are going to get a good wide receiver, whether it's Chris Olave or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I guess the, the two teams ahead of the Saints that I think could go wide out. One is Houston at thirteen. I mean, they have they have so many needs, so you know they, they could go a lot of different directions. But I think they obviously need a wide receiver. Brandon Cooks is getting up there in age, and they have not much behind him. Um, I, I think I think Minnesota is a sneaky team to go wide receiver. Adam Thielen's going to be 32. He has a big cap hit next season. So he's someone they could move on from. And then with their new head coach, Kevin O'Connell there, I think they're going to run a lot more three wide receiver sets. So even if you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, you're going to, you know, have a third wide out on the field for 70, 80% of your snaps. So I think, you know, that, that could be a spot for Jamison Williams or Chris Olave at uh, number 12. And I have Wilson in my mock going to Minnesota. Nice. For that exact reason. Yep. I mean, I was looking at some of the other needs for Minnesota and, and, and you hit all the reasons why I decided that wide receiver, even though I don't think it's your number one need. <clears throat> but if you look at it, if because for me, uh, Stingley's off the board, obviously, and Gardner, yep. if one yep. of them are available, OK, they go they go there uh, and then they need a center. Uh, but I don't think they go Linda bomb this early. I think they need a right tackle. If cross slips, I think it'd be a perfect fit there because they need a pass protector on, on, on the opposite side. But if not, if all those things don't happen because it, to me, it was, well, did they go McDuffie? And I was yeah. like, well, McDuffie's yeah, but Wilson, he would be the number one, number well, the number one fast wide receiver available in the draft. I think that'd be too tempting for Minnesota. Agreed. Yep. Although they could be well positioned to take a shot on Jamison Williams too, where they don't need him yes. this year. They have a solid top three. And then Absolutely. Like, yeah, maybe next year when Adam Thielen's 33, we're ready for Jamison Williams to be one of our top three guys. Yep. We've got well, the nobody Browns. knows what their new GM is going to do. That's that's <laughs> right. Because everybody was flabbergasted that this guy got the job in the first place. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Texans. They're really positioned to just take best player available at pretty much every turn. 
Uh, the Browns have a need, but they don't have a pick until round two, the 12th pick in that round, two picks in round three. So probably more likely to take one of those, probably a wide receiver in one of those three picks. Maybe that round three could be a good spot for Khalil Shakir. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, he'd be a good Jarvis Landry replacement. I think they're kind of similar players. That makes sense to me. Greg, what yeah, do you think of Khalil Shakir? In those rounds, yeah, uh, because he's limited. There are some issues with, with Shakir as far as his consistency. Again, you're talking about you know, third or fourth round, that that's fine. Wide receiver in general for Cleveland, it's look, their top three are fine. You know, you, you make a big deal to get Cooper and he's obviously your number one. They still, uh, you would still think they have a lot of uh, faith in Schwartz and his development as the speed guy. And in Donovan Peoples Jones just needs to a stay healthy and B have good quarterback play, which now he has. So they've got a really good, apparently a really good top three, but yes, if they want to add another guy at some point, that would make a lot of sense just in case one of those top three and who knows the development of Schwartz and people's Jones is never healthy and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I could see them using a pick early wide receiver, but they, you know, the Browns have some other needs as well. Mm-hmm. What do we think, what do we think about the Samuel getting traded with the, we were talking about team needs here and the jets are often mentioned as a, a wide receiver spot. What are the chances that we see Debo move? Well, I'll disclose the fact now that the jets are my team. <laughs> unfortunately but <clears throat> but our time is coming uh <clears throat> yeah so as far as debo i think that if well tyreek hill you know it was it's not like the jets are gonna have to give up their first round pick so that's the case there so yeah the jets do have a couple of early picks in the second round they want to give one or two of those away and package deals something like that uh, i think it would make a lot of sense i kind of tend to believe that the jets are more interested in a veteran receiver though than they are in a rookie pick i don't because just like I said with uh, Cleveland, if you look, and there are a lot of teams like this, and Jets are one of them. The Jets actually have, if they go into the season with Moore and Berrios is the new slot guy and Davis outside, that's a really good three. I don't think – I don't think – what's this need to use one of your top yeah. draft picks on a receiver for? Because to me, and you were saying receiver with Houston, I just think teams look at uh, skill positions nowadays as – like bonus picks, like you know what? If we're if we're if we're really bad at receiver, and we and we, and, and and it's just like Atlanta, and, and and we desperately need it. That's one thing, but if we have a couple of players there, we got to do other things. We got to fix the offensive line, the defensive line. You know, we got so receiver skill positions, receiver and running back. I think those are when you're a rebuilding team. I don't think you you look at those spots usually very often. Uh, but with the Jets, that's I just get the feeling that if they go receiver, it would be with someone like Debo Samuel. I think it would be, and he's probably the last guy. I can't imagine. I don't think DK Metcalf is going anywhere. So I think if if Debo Samuel does get traded, the Jets are, are, are a logical landing spot because of their draft capital. And I do not think the Jets are going to draft a receiver with one of their top two picks. Yeah, I'm with you there. I've kind of been surprised to see how – often the Jets have been connected with wide receiver in these mocks at either 10 or four. I've seen, you know, people mocking Garrett Wilson to them at four, which seems crazy to me. Um, I, I guess last thing at receiver, Craig, do you see the Chiefs leaving round one with a receiver <laughs> either at 29 or 30? Uh, without one? No. Uh, with Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. With, with or without, do you think they're going to yeah. take one? No, no doubt. Because Andy Reid, uh, I think last year might have been one of the – years that he didn't use a pick on a receiver you know how much he loves wide receivers so no there's just no doubt he's got to get a receiver 
it's such a big part of his uh, of his of his uh, offense, and uh, and he'll get one. So obviously, so he'll, he's not going to get away with a Jameis Williams or anything like that. Thank goodness for that. But uh, yeah, he'll he'll get a receiver, and he might also go running back. You know, I know they added Ronald Jones, but they're not very happy. And 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 this is something for uh, obviously for uh, fans uh, or anybody out there that is not fans, but anybody who owns uh, Edwards Hilaire on their team and is thinking big things for him, don't because the Chiefs are just not very happy with him right now. He's not the game breaker they thought he was going to be. If you look at his numbers, it's amazing how statistically low his numbers are for a defense that gives you the running yep. game. They don't, yep. there's no, they don't stack the line with eight men in the box. It's like, they're like one of the least amount of, of, uh, you know, if you, if you, if, if you look at the stats of how, how often a team will put eight men in the box, Kansas city is like 32nd or 31st. So you have the, the, yep. the, 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 the lanes are open for you and can and you still can't give them the home run threat that the chiefs, I believe were hoping they were going to get with him. He's a fine player, but he's not that guy. So I think the Chiefs are going to look for a home. If, if Brees Hall is there, it's going to be so wow. tempting for the Chiefs to, to not take him. I'm telling Fan- you right. Fantasy, fantasy nation would go nuts if the Chiefs take Brees Hall in the <laughs> first round. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Just, uh, I wouldn't. That's something to keep an eye on because I don't want to see Brees Hall with the Chiefs. So uh, I hope that's not the case. Just like I don't want to see Brees Hall with the Bills uh, being a Jets fan. Well, at least this time, Jared, it would line up with the guy who's the number one running back for most people, as opposed to screwing right. up our boards and making us overthink it and moving him ahead of Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and other guys. <laughs> I, 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 that's always going to be a cautionary tale for dynasty players, for fantasy rankers following the NFL draft. Don't yep. don't change too much based on landing spot. That's right. Yep. Let's use that to transition to running backs. And it's less interesting because – uh, there might be none in round one. There certainly won't be many in round one, um, but there are still teams in need. There will be guys that will be fantasy relevant that will go in various points. I would say Houston is one of the most running back needy teams. We've mentioned how they're needy everywhere. So I don't think it's a first round consideration. I, maybe not even a second round consideration considering uh, all the things they need. But to me, round three looks like a sweet spot for them because they have two picks in there. Maybe Brian Robinson, from Alabama is a fit at that level. They have two more picks in round four. They have one in the fifth. They have one in the, they have two in the sixth. So I think it's somewhere in that range, wherever it lines up with what makes sense for them, I would bet on this team taking two running backs. What do you think, Greg? Like you said, though, uh, they're definitely going to wait. But two, uh, I guess it just all depends on how it all works out for them. Um, if they get the right guy, I could see that making a lot of sense if the right player number two guy comes and they already have their number one, but they have so many needs that it's just, and, 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 and they like Burkhead. I mean, Burkhead didn't get an opportunity to play all that much last year. Not sure. I mean, he had uh, some injury issues, but other than that, I think that, you know, the, he, he's a good kind of a placement guy. So he's still going to get carries and uh, Marlon Mack obviously is on the team now too. So mm-hmm. you have Mack, and Burkhead would be a really good number three. So you draft one guy. I am the guy that's the most polarizing for me is Isaiah Spiller. And maybe even Kyron Williams, because on our lads, they're 
rankings, they both have Kyron Williams and Isaiah Spiller pretty high. Spiller number three, by the way. A lot of people like Spiller. I don't. I just, to me, and everything that Arledge talks about Spiller is exactly what I believe, is he's a kind of do-it-all. He could do everything, but he's not really good at anything. He's just good at a lot of things. And that's a guy that I don't take with the third, with my third running back pick, you know, ranking wise, I'd rather roll the dice on a guy that I believe may be the eighth running back, but has a ceiling like and Rashad white. Is that, is that type of guy for me from Arizona state? I think he's in the right place for that, Greg. All right. Awesome. So, yeah, so I, I love him and I think that he's going to go fifth, sixth, seventh running back. And I'd rather take a chance on him. But Kyron Williams, I was really shocked that our lads had him rated as high as they did. But there is, again, it's a reason and it because he's a very safe pick. You know, he does a lot of little things right, but he's not very fast. The combine was terrible. Uh, but again, he's a, he's a guy that would be a, a, you know, he's one of those running backs that I think probably, and even Spiller, maybe, maybe the rankings that our lads are, are a specific uh, reason, but I, 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 I would still be kind of surprised if both Spiller and Williams were drafted that high. I know a lot of people like Damian Pierce and he's like the, the favorite, you know, uh, uh, middle round running back or middle ranking running back that seems to i hear all the time because he didn't get any reps at florida but whenever he did he is his stats were through the roof his metrics were through the roof and why didn't he get more why didn't he get more run at florida do, do you know any you know why it, it it could you know i know that people are saying it's the coaching uh and that could be it you know uh, but i'll say this and and i i agree with this i have issues with certain schools when 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 their players come out of college and they go into the pros and they don't succeed. I'm one of those people that, and Florida is one of those schools. I don't know why, but for the most part, a lot of the kids that have come out of Florida in recent years, they don't really, they, they, they underachieve when they get to the NFL. And I, and, I, and I just bring this up now for Pierce. I'm not saying Pierce is going to be that type of guy, but I'd be a little bit wary. Same thing we just talked about to start the show with Walker. Don't, go too crazy about guys that just don't have enough tape. You know, you're kind of over projecting. Maybe there was a reason why he didn't get enough reps that we just don't know about. Coaches maybe know it. Maybe he's just not physically capable for whatever reason. Maybe he's not highly intelligent enough to handle the workload. I have no idea, but, but he also has his limitations. You know, he's really more of just a power back. And he's a guy that is a, is, 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 is maybe a really good third down slash, guy that you could also uh, hand the ball off to if you want to get an extra couple of yards because he's a physical runner. But he's not a guy that I would overdraft because he's not an explosive player. Kenneth Walker is explosive. You know, he's a guy that has issues protecting blocking. He's not a good pass protector. He's not a good receiver. So forget about all that stuff. But if, but if a team like the Chiefs, like let's say they can still get Kenneth Walker and they want that guy that can just, hey, we're going to give you the lanes. Now, and you want a guy that's explosive? Kenneth Walker's your guy. So, um, but running back, you, you love the running back draft every year, pretty much, including this year, because there's so many talented players from top to bottom. And you can sit there in the fifth round, sixth round, you can get a guy in free agency and he becomes a starter for you. You mentioned not wanting Brees Hall to go to the Chiefs or the Bills. The Bills, of course, have been a popular first round destination for Brees Hall in mock drafts. I mean, clearly Buffalo's position to do really whatever it wants to. They're already championship caliber 
in that roster. So it'll depend on what they think about the player and what they think about the importance of that position. I would personally be surprised though, if they spend around one pick on running back, we just look at how they built their current backfield. We've got Devin Singletary was a mid third rounder. We got Zach Moss chosen a year later, a little bit later in round three, they tried to sign JD McKissick in free agency. That didn't work out. They fell back to Duke Johnson. So it just seems to me like they're, properly valuing this position which is not a high value position in the nfl right now so you know it could be like the chiefs surprised us with ceh a few years ago and they take Brees hall thinking he's the final piece i just think they're a better candidate to pick a running back in round two or round three yeah, it's such an analytically minded front office. I'd be a bit surprised if they go running back around round. Although, you know, at the same time, I get it that they could view Hall as sort of like the final piece to their offense, like a high end three down back sort of, you know, gives the offense a little extra juice. So I, I kind of get that. I I think Buffalo needs a corner, though, pretty badly, right? I mean, Trey White's coming off the ACL. They lost Levi Wallace. And, and late round one, I think, seems like a, kind of a sweet spot for corners. There's, there's a bunch of guys who – um, I think would make sense for them there. So I, I kind of think Buffalo is going that route in round one. Yeah. I, Booth or Elam make a lot of sense. They could probably get, they'd probably end up choosing one of the two. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of people think Kansas city might go with one of those two guys as well. Um, but the other position to look at would be guard. Now uh, our lads is big on uh, green at Texas A&M. Then you take a look at the other guy is uh, uh, Zion Johnson, who's been flying up the draft boards over the past couple of weeks. A lot of people think he could end up in the top 20. That's uh, how high he's been going up. So I could see him definitely with the Bills because the Bills yeah. offensive line, the interior. And because like you were saying, they, they don't they, they don't run the ball. They just they don't. I mean, look, yeah. I'm happy about that as a Jet fan. I don't want to see them decide to run the football. And I get it. Allen is their top guy and it's been working, but it's I think it's hurt them. I really do. And now they got a, a, a new play caller. So I wonder how that's going to change. Will the philosophy change at all? Will they say, you know what, maybe we do need to run the ball a little bit more. I think part of that, though, is that most of their offensive linemen are not very good at run blocking. And then I think it's by design. They basically have decided that we're going to be yeah. a pass happy team. And most of our guys have got to be good pass blockers so that maybe they decide, okay, whether it's, if we're going to start running the ball better, we need a running back, better running back and, or we have to have a better road grading interior alignment as well. Among green and uh, Zion Johnson. So I haven't really dug too deep into this guard class. Which one of those guys is more like the mauler and which one's like a more of a, you know, finesse pass protecting type of guard. Are they, are they, you know, similar? They're both. They're both the physical type players that you're looking okay. for at the position. Yeah. So, uh, and because uh, right now, Buffalo, I was looking at our lads depth chart and they have Ryan Bates penciled in as their starting left guard. That ain't going to work out. Right? <laughs> so he's not going to be starting there. So that's why I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, I think our lads has green as their, uh, their number one behind. Uh, yeah. Kenyon green is number one. And Zion Johnson is number two. So they're both more than likely, if that holds up, going to be picked right around where the Bills are drafting, which I think. Da- Dallas Dallas is the other team, right, that I think um, should – should to me, they should go guard with, with their first-round pick. Yeah, they need – Dallas needs alignment. Now, I wonder whether or not – I think the, the biggest hole with Dallas on the offensive line, though, is at right tackle because of yeah. steel. I don't know. I don't know if they're comfortable with him as they're starting right tackle or not. Um, but 
but I could also see Dallas going with a defensive back. Burks could be the, a perfect pick to the Cowboys. You know, yeah, Arkansas. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, Jerry Arkansas Jones. connection. Yeah. 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 So, you, <laughs> but yeah, but Zion Johnson and I actually, I think I mocked Zion Johnson to Tennessee before this last one, which I haven't gotten to Tennessee yet. So I think Tennessee could go guard too. Yeah, so I could, sense. I could see either of those guys going early. And by the way, at Linderbaum, this is important to note. I had Linderbaum going to Eagles and I, and I was, and, and I did not even consider him with Baltimore as much as Baltimore needs a center is because Linderbaum is not the fit for Baltimore. Baltimore wants a power center. Yep. And that's exactly the opposite of what Linderbaum is going to be. Uh, so you look at Baltimore at center and they're going to need one. You could look at uh, Fortner, maybe. I think he's going to be available, uh, you know, third round, something like that, or even the kid Nick Ford, if they want to go like in the fifth or sixth round. Those are power centers that Baltimore can go with. But just keep that in mind. If anybody's mocking Linderbaum, mm-hmm. you have to understand he's not a power center. He's going to go somewhere where they're going to be able to utilize his athletic gifts. Nice. That's a good point to keep in mind. So it sounds like we can agree we don't expect the Bills to go running back late in round one. It seems to me like it would be better for them to address one of those several other spots we talked about. Later on, you know, we talked about Rashad White. I think he could be a nice, it sounds like maybe day three addition to a backfield. Tyler Algier could be kind of like Zach Moss type in that he does all of the things. He's not flashy, but... He was a hard worker in college, got there as a uh, non-scholarship player and worked to the point where he got the scholarship, worked to the point where he was a workhorse, played linebacker. So he, I could see him being the kind of guy that especially a coach like Sean McDermott just falls for and adds on day three and enters the mix. I, I think that's what makes more sense for the Bills, just adding another dude to the committee, especially after Devin Singletary finished last season playing pretty well. Well, and as we talked about, there's such a pass-heavy team. Like I think someone like James Cook or like uh, Tyler Beatty, you know, the, the pass catching back, if they want to continue to be that super pass-heavy team, make, makes more sense for them. The Falcons are a spot that have room for a productive running back to land there if somebody lands there. They also showed us last year that they don't consider it a need. They're ready to go full zero running back, to use uh, fantasy terminology. They had the opportunity to choose Javante Williams in round two last year. They traded that pick to Denver and instead moved down and chose a safety that didn't even start for them last season. So there's a need there. There are picks in round two. They have the 11th and 26th picks in round two. Also have two more picks in round three. Greg, I think that if either Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker makes it to their pick at 43rd overall, which is that number 11 pick in round two, they got to take one of those two guys if it gets there, right? Uh, if you're Atlanta, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's possible. Yes. But there's also a much bigger need as bad as their situation is at wide receiver. It's just as bad at edge rusher. <laughs> this is a deep edge rushing class. So they're going to have a really good edge rusher available sitting on their lap there with that second round pick. Cause they got nobody. I mean, they, they have, so they've got to find a pass rusher. So I would, I would just, but, but what you're saying though, of course is, is if, if what, if the top running back is there, it could be too tempting. It, it's possible. And again, it's such a deep class of pass rushers. Maybe, uh, maybe they could still get one in the third round. I don't know whether, I don't know where Atlanta's next pick is after that. Uh, it looks like, oh, they have 58. They got another, they got two in the second round. So maybe they could get another pass rusher at 58. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah, it's, it's a landing spot for David Ajabo and they can be patient with him. There you go. That's a good, that's a good spot. Yeah. I mean, it'd be so tempting to take one of those backs here at Atlanta, but like to me, you're, you're 
two, three, four years away from competing. And by that point, yeah. that running back is going to be, you know, close to a second contract. So is it even worth it? Or do you just wait till, you know, 2023 or 2024 to grab your back? That's yeah, why it, it would make sense for a team like Atlanta to probably wait until after they at least get an edge rusher and a receiver. Yeah. That's me as a fantasy player saying you gotta, right. and then you look at it from a realistic standpoint, it's like, no, they don't gotta, they can grab a fourth round running back or a fifth round running back. That's in the mix with those guys. Just like last year when they got to get a running back, they went for JV and Hawkins. So they don't gotta at any point. Um, well, better not be a running back. We like though, because <laughs> we don't want Rashad white going to Atlanta. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we do because that's a spot where he could just immediately be better than everybody else. I mean, Cordero Patterson's going to be involved, but it's at least a spot where Patterson's not a workhorse. So it could be yeah. somewhere that there's more immediate maybe. opportunity than it seems like. Yeah. So some other teams before we wrap up with running back and we'll, we'll zoom through this. Um, but I think the saints are a non-obvious running back needy team. You think about Alvin Kamara, but that's all they have. Their second best running back is a 32 year old Mark Ingram right now so i think at some point they could be in the rb market and you know we've talked about it it's it's like Brees hall kenneth walker and then everybody else at some point and they could sort out in, in various ways so i think carolina could use somebody at some point probably on day three dolphins chiefs we already talked about the giants bucks cardinals those are just teams jared that i think will be in the market for some later round running back and they could be better landing spots than they might immediately seem. Yeah. The Cardinals stick out to me. I think I expect them to add a running back um, after losing Chase Edmonds. I think, you know, James, James Conner is awesome, but you can't count on him to stay healthy all season. And he's already like 26, 27 years old. So even if it's looking towards the future, I think, I think Arizona would be a nice spot for one of these backs to land. Um, I know Nick Underhill, you know, one of the uh, better saints beat writers out there does, does think running back is, is one of the Saints bigger needs heading into this draft. And he does expect them to add one, you know, obviously not with one of those first round picks, but maybe on, on day two, um, because, you know, Mark Ingram's in his thirties. Now you can't count on him behind Alvin Kamara. So those, those are two teams that stick out to me as guys who I, I think teams that will be targeting backs, um, you know, potentially on day two. Also look at Jacksonville because both of their, uh, their top two guys are coming off of injury. Yeah. And as much as you could say, okay, yeah, but Etienne, we have Etienne and Robinson, but I mean, you don't know if they're going to be healthy. You don't know how they're going to react to uh, injury and you need to add another running back. So I don't think there's any doubt they're going to add a running back. I don't know how high, mm-hmm. but Jacksonville has to add a running back. Uh, I also think same, same thing with injury Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore has yeah. to consider it because you know, yeah, that Dobbins. Okay. He, if he's healthy, they're fine. But after that, it's, 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 I know the, the 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 former Rutgers running back, and I'm being a New Jersey guy, so I, I actually thought that uh, that he was going to have uh, you know under the radar type career, but um, they have to add someone else because they don't have any depth. And I, I would look at the Eagles because the Eagles, I'm not so sure. I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know if the Eagles are sold on Miles Sanders. I just don't, and they don't really have a lot of depth after that yeah. you know so i think they need to add another running back at some point they should they should try and add someone with a little size as well whether that's what they intend to do in the chargers too eckler yeah. is really all they got i mean mm-hmm. kelly doesn't take advantage of his opportunities so they what happens if actually eckler gets hurt i mean they're in big trouble so i could see the the chargers at some point thinking because i would pr- actually prefer eckler to be what he was when Gordon was there, he's a much valuable weapon when he's not the number one running back. So I think the Chargers could be a team that could surprise and maybe take one of these running backs early. 
And, and imagine how good it would be yeah. if they had one of those top two running backs along with that offense. Yeah, and Justin Jackson's a free agent, and Greg was being kind, but uh, Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree both suck. So, you know, they, the you Chargers go. definitely need someone behind that guy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And Justin Jackson's one of the better free agent running backs available. So, you know, we look at wide receiver and there's still guys like Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones available. There's not a whole lot. There's Sony Michelle and some dudes at running back. So we'll be looking to see who these teams add via the draft uh, and evaluating those landing spots. Let's round it out with tight end, which shouldn't take a real long time. Uh, I think that, Greg, most people look at this class and they just get bored. They yawn and they move on to another position. But you made a point that I was planning to make about it. Once you get past that, there is no flash to it. There's no Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, maybe there's not even a Dallas Goddard, but there's, it, it looks like a solid year for like round three, four, five type tight ends. Like Trey McBride, Charlie Kohler are two guys that I've watched that look good as wide receivers. I know there are several more. It's worth remembering as we look back, Travis Kelsey was a third round pick. Mark Andrews was a round three pick. Two rounds after the same team took Hayden Hurst, George Kittle was around five picks. So, you know, maybe we find some Dalton Schultz's and Gerald Everett's a couple of years from now. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't remember what Kelsey's 40 time was, but I don't look at him as a speed tight end. So, you know, sure, he's very athletic. Right. No question about that. Uh, Dulcich is the one that has the biggest upside when it comes to athletic ability, run after catch. He's got a huge average. I think his average is like over 17 yards per catch, which is very unusual for uh, Chip Kelly uh, run offense there at UCLA. That shows you, but one-dimensional, ain't going to give you anything in the blocking game. That's why everybody loves Trey McBride as the consensus number one, because he's a complete tight end. But he doesn't have the problem McBride is. he does. He's not going to wow you as far as down the field threat. He's not a big... I mean, he's going to average about 10 yards a catch. And I think he, he doesn't even have more than like 10 career touchdowns in college, uh, considering how much playing time. But he's very good at everything else. He's a, he's a complete tight end and he's reliable and he's got great hands. Uh, but those guys, see, I actually, in my last mock, had McBride going to Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay can pick anybody. I don't think anybody has any idea what Tampa Bay is going to go. They could even pick a running back. We were just talking running backs. No, I don't be surprised if they were the running back. So I was thinking, well, Gronk's going to come back. We probably get that. But, okay, well, what if he gets hurt? And then you got Bray, and he's getting old, Gronk. So I could see Tampa Bay looking for the future anyway. It takes his kids two or three years. So I could see McBride slipping into the first round at the end of the first round for a team like Tampa Bay. But once that happens, you know, Dulcich maybe doesn't get drafted until the third round maybe. Let's see. Our lads, let's see where they have him going. Uh, they have uh, Dulcich going in the, the second tight end, and they have him going second, third round. So uh, Rucker is only going to give you more of a – he's going to be a blocking tight end. That's yeah. it. He's reliable in the, in, in the end zone, uh, and, 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 and that's, that's all. But Jelani Woods has intriguing size, and he looked really good in the All-Star games and the workouts and all, everything like that. So maybe if you're looking for a sleeper, uh, maybe like J Jelani Woods. Other than that, I mean, you mentioned Kolar. You have Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. You have uh, Derek Deese from San Jose State. Even Calcaterra from SMU uh, is a really good receiving tight end. So Cole Turner, you got a bunch of these guys that are going to go round three to uh, probably round six. 
Yeah, so yeah, nothing I, exciting, but we can't forget about it for fantasy use as long as people right. aren't overdoing it. I mean, no. you can find somebody to stash who can help you in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, Jelani, but, Jelani Woods is an interesting guy. I mean, he tested, like, you know, the elite of the elite. Um, he's a massive guy, but now he's really raw. Um, do you think he? Do you think he's, like, more than just an athlete at this at this point, Greg? Well, if, you, if you look at it, his he's, his size is like as good as any tight end, if not better than any any right. tight end in this class. And his speed was better, so he's okay. got the best speed size ratio of any of the tight ends in this class. Yep. He's six seven, and he runs a four six uh, forty. And let's also uh, consider the fact that he was really relatively unused, and I think that's probably why. You know, it wasn't like he was in an offense that said, "Okay, well, let's let's use Jelani uh, Woods a certain way." So, but I think, and he's somebody that could develop his game enough in the blocking game, unlike Dulcich, which I don't think has a chance to be a very good blocker at all. But Woods, I think, has a little bit more working for him that he might be able to uh, work his way into more of a competitive blocker. Uh, Isaiah Likely is the only other guy that I would mention from Coastal Carolina. The problem with likely is he's not very big and they used in him in a, in a, in a specific role at coastal Carolina that got him into a lot of mismatches that he's not going to be able to get in the NFL, but he was very productive at coastal Carolina. And let's keep in mind, coastal Carolina is very, they had a nice winning program there for the last couple of years. And I can't wait to start breaking down Grayson McCall for, for, for potentially next year's draft. If not yeah. the 2024 draft, because he does, he's not going to give you the arm strength that these other guys have, but you t- he got he has everything else. I mean, he he could be somebody can to he keep run? an eye on. Can he run? Yes, he's got enough of this. He's not a okay. okay. Fantasy wise, he's not going to be <laughs> like uh, Mal- Malik Willis or anything like that. No, he has enough athletic ability though. But yeah, as far he's he's more he's going to be a guy that maybe could be like a Drew Brees maybe at the next level. Yeah, 70, 73% completion rate, 11.9 yards per attempt this past season. Not bad. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, again, I don't know how – I don't know if he throws the ball hard enough. That's the thing I don't know, and we're not going to know until he, he comes out and he really starts. But, again, you talk to the scouts, and, and that's, I can't, that's why I can't wait to talk to the scouts and find out, you know, th- does he have a big enough arm. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think he could be the first quarterback picked in 2024. How big oh. are his hands, though? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we got to know before we know whether he can be an NFL guy. Yeah. You can find Greg De Palma on the Our Lads Network, on the Prime Sports YouTube channel. Greg, what should folks be looking for from you right now and in the coming weeks? Once the draft is over, we are going to do nothing but break down all 32 teams. Uh, Well, first of all, the Our Lads will come out with a draft review guide. As far as I know, it shouldn't be a secret by now, but Dan Shanka suffered a stroke before the season began last season. So he's had a hard time recovering. Luckily we got the guide out. So he's, he's definitely on the mend. Things are going well. So we're hoping that the draft review guide will be out just like the, this, uh, the draft guide is out. Usually it comes out a couple of months after once we, once we get the indication of, of uh, you know, we have those uh, uh, the rookie mini camp, the, the, those, those first couple of camps, once they're, once we get information from those camps, then we put the information together for the draft review guide, and then those become available. But as far as our show on, on Prime Sports Network on YouTube, I'm going to be contacting all of our top analysts and interviewing them and breaking down everybody's 
draft and off season. So between the draft review guide, which I'll have responsibility of 11 teams, if, if that still comes out, uh, I'm still going to open up to all the other teams in the NFL and be interviewing as many insiders as possible. So we can, uh, you know, not grade, but kind of break down their off season now that the draft will be over. Awesome. Which so, I yeah. can't wait. <laughs> That's right. This is just the beginning of it. Once we get these landing spots, we can start talking about for reals instead of just the hypothetical. So yeah, because because my, my my hockey team misses the playoffs, my <laughs> baseball team sucks this year. So I'm I'm wide open for the summer. I'm just going to be all in the football. It's going to be well. I'm gonna, I got NASCAR and golf and horse racing, but that's you know I yeah, can do we that. We can once talk some golf. <laughs> yeah. We can talk some golf offline. Okay, but football is going to take up all of my time. So I'm going to have a great summer talking football on the channel this season, and we're going to be talking a lot more. Sounds great. We're looking forward to that. We'll be checking out the post-draft stuff on the Prime Sports YouTube channel. Keep your eye out for the Our Lads Guide. Certainly best wishes to Dan Shanka on his continued recovery. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today to continue the draft breakdown. Thanks for having me, guys. If you head over to DraftSharks.com right now, you'll be able to find a plethora of free Dynasty Prospect scouting reports, a list that we are still adding to just a day away from the NFL Draft. You can find our pre-draft rookie rankings for Dynasty Leagues, but you'll need to be a DS Insider to access that. If you have not joined up already, take advantage now to arm yourself with our 2022 projections, which have already been out for weeks and updated continuously. Put those projections to work in our customized draft war room to help you build the best fantasy rosters possible. For our guest, Greg DePalma, Jared Smola, and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shafsan. Thanks so much for swimming with us.